You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hi, good afternoon, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Jackie Alemany. I'm a congressional correspondent and co-author of the early newsletter here at The Post. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Biden administration issued an executive order mandating that all federal employees get the COVID-19 vaccination. Here to talk to us about the challenges that lay ahead in enforcing this mandate, as well as the future of work for the federal government, is the director of the Office of Personnel Management, Kiruna Ahuja, Director Hahuja, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Uh, and let's start by talking about this mandate, the federal employee vaccination mandate. You sent a memo last week that laid out the timeline for enforcing this mandate, pointing out that federal employees need to be vaccinated by November 8th, or at least have received their first vaccination. This is barely a month away. Do you have a sense as to how many federal employees have yet to prove their vaccination status? Um, yes, great question, and I want to dive right into that. I hope you will give me um, just a minute to say hello to everyone and just introduce myself um, as the OPM director. And um, for those who may not know very much about the Office of Personnel Management, um, our tagline should be more than just the snow days because we actually really um, do, um, we're involved in the lifespan of a federal employee um, from when they come on. Um, and they're hired to, uh, to when they retire, um, as well as doing a lot of the work around the vaccine mandate and, of course, thinking about future of work. I had my time um, in the Office of Personal Management during the Obama administration. I also was a part of the transition team um, for the Biden-Harris transition team and uh, have a great affinity for this organization that has been through a great deal um, in, the, in the past few years facing a merger, um, and um, and really uh, working to to rebuild this agency and of course support my um, partners our agency partners across the federal government. So just wanted to uh, take a few minutes to introduce myself and of course you know right now we are collecting the data on um, what the vaccination rates look like uh, in the federal government. Um, that is a part of this process. Uh, we uh, know that vaccines are you know, the, the best tool that we have in our toolbox. Um, I'm sure we um, all of you saw that, you know, we hit an unfortunate, unfortunate milestone uh, this past uh, week or weekend where, you know, 700,000 deaths are related to COVID. Um, we know the vaccines are the best way to combat the pandemic and to um, keep our workforce safe and the communities and families that surround them. So that's the work that we're doing right now to um, to ensure that we uh, um, are moving towards that, you know, that timeline and deadline of no November 22nd. And as you know, we've put forward an enforcement guidance and are working to make sure that we are uh, getting the materials and education out to the federal workforce um, to encourage them to get vaccinated. Uh, and we are definitely going to get back to uh, some of your responsibilities as the yeah. head of human resources for the largest employer in the country, um, you know, a little bit later in the conversation. So uh, I just want you to know that. But um, I'm yeah, wondering course, on the course. issue of vaccination, how are you, how exactly are you tracking the implementation of this policy across all of these federal agencies? Well, you know, we have a very robust task force. Um, you know, we play a leadership role on this task force. We have um, OMB, and we have um, other agencies as well, GSA, um, a number of other agencies. So it's a very coordinated effort, uh, and there are 
tons of phone calls and um, and engagement. You know, there's um, a whole effort that takes place related to uh, what the guidance um, uh, the guidance that we'll issue at any given moment. And and there's quite a bit that we're putting out there. So you know, it's it's a it's a fairly coordinated effort. You know, we have a number of staff involved and. Um, and, and, you know, we are also tracking, like I mentioned, uh, pulling the data every week uh, of where agencies are in their vaccination rates um, to get a real sense in real time um, what they're going to be looking at uh, from week to week and, and meeting our deadlines. And we already know that these mandates have seen some level of success, at least with some private companies mm -hmm. that have implemented them, and then also in other countries that implemented federal mandates far before we have, but the memo says that employees who refuse to be vaccinated or provide proof of vaccination are subject to disciplinary measures mm -hmm. up to including removal or termination from federal service. How are mm -hmm. you preparing for employees who are going to, who might refuse to comply with the vaccination mandate? Absolutely. You know, we are looking at this as, um, you know, this is not about, uh, um, removing people from the federal government, we we care deeply about our federal workforce, and and and, and like I said, and we'll talk about later, which is uh, really the the kind of hiring that we need to do right now in the federal government. We're focused on getting folks va vaccinated. We think it's the best tool that we have, and um, so this enforcement guidance that we've put out is with that in mind. This is really about pushing or encouraging folks towards compliance. Um, we believe it's fair uh, but firm. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a three-step process that really focuses on education uh, and counseling, um, and then a period, uh, if there isn't compliance, uh, that the um, federal employee will have, you know, a, a little bit longer to to really consider what's at stake. And, and, and then, uh, of course, you know, moving into um, removal proceedings as really the last, as the last, you know, kind of phase of this, and really not something we are wanting to see. Um, and we are seeing success in other uh, um, you know, with other companies where they've issued mandates and they've had, you know, incredible success, uh, United, Tyson Foods, um, they're just a few where they're getting 90, you know, 90% plus. So our hope is that, you know, we have really set out something that is, you know, very thoughtful. Um, it's very much focused on um, getting folks vaccinated, not removing them from their positions. And, you know, this is guidance. So agencies have a lot of discretion and whether they want to add more steps, uh, they have unique situations that they may be managing. And so we wanted to leave room for that. So after counseling and going through the mm -hmm. um, preliminary steps, do you have a hard deadline for the period of when you know a, an employee potentially refuses to comply after you've taken all other measures and 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 between the period of that potentially having to mm -hmm. terminate their employment? We don't. We, you know, we say that, you know, the process can start as soon as, you know, we know that November 8th is going to be based on when you need to get your last uh, shot, depending on the particular vaccine, uh, to be fully vaccinated according to the CDC guidelines. So uh, certainly agencies can start as soon as, you know, November 9th to uh, start to uh, determine which uh, individuals or which employees in their agency haven't uh, haven't you know attested to vaccination, haven't shown the documentation. Uh, but there is no kind of you know drop dead date where by which you know there's an expectation that um, you know if employees are not vaccinated uh, that uh, you know uh, that they will be removed. We we will anticipate individuals asking for accommodations. 
uh, like I said, agencies have a lot of purview and and how they want to think about those steps in the enforcement guidance. So there's no kind of final uh, deadline. And there is a process that I think we hold dear in the federal government, which is the due process that we're setting out um, for you know what it means to follow this um, this directive. Uh, this is there's so much uncharted territory that you're dealing with here, from remote work yeah. to now these vaccination mandates. Uh, what how did how was this decision made and what role did you play in developing this mandate, the vaccination mandate? You know, this is something the president feels, you know, very strongly about. I mean, you know, if you know, I think we were all planning, you know, around the summertime uh, of what it was going to look like to have, you know, come back into the office, have a, a hybrid work environment. Certainly we were planning that um, in many ways of, of what that future of work looks like. I think there's a lot of excitement around what we, what is possible around telework um, and remote work, and and I think you know looking to see the um, what we were combating with the Delta variant, um, what that meant as far as uh, um, you know uh, managing this variant, also looking at the trends um, of vaccination rates and that those were slowing down. That uh, the president felt strongly that we needed to use every tool in our toolbox. The vaccine is the safest, most effective way to combat this pandemic, and, and that's what we're trying to do. And I want to pivot to a, a slightly different topic, the future mm -hmm. of work. Um, you know, as my colleague Heather Long has called it, uh, that we are witnessing a great realignment at the moment as well, simultaneously yeah. as people are sort of adjusting to new work modes. You have said that the federal government should be the model employer in this country mm -hmm. and at the top of your agenda is redefining what the future of work looks like. What does that mean to you? What is your vision of the future of work? Yes, I mean, I think, okay, just for sheer kind of competition, um, you know, we have to be leaning into telework, remote work. You know, we are the largest employer, but we need to stay competitive. I think we have a lot um, going for us as far as our mission and the kind of work that individuals can engage in. Um, in the federal government, and and that's a part of my mission as well, is that uh, really drumming, you know, the drumbeat of how great it is to be in public service, uh, and a part of that is, you know, the flexibilities, the workplace flexibilities. So uh, we are we are thinking long and hard of um, both uh, what that could look like in government, where there are opportunities to expand our applicant applicant tool pool. Um, as far as uh, individuals that we can be tapping to come into the federal government. Uh, so we see it as really a win-win that we're able to, you know, really broaden our reach. We're able to attract people to the federal government because we have those flexibilities. Um, and, and we know that that's, that's our competition. I will say also around future of work, you know, we see ourselves as a model employer and, and we want to couple that with, you know, as well, you know, being a leader in, in paid leave and, and in other aspects of what it means to be a good employer. So we're really kind of doing these in a very integrated fashion. Um, and my hope is, you know, we do have some limitations right now with, uh, with our laws and regs, and, and those are conversations we're looking forward to having with um, our colleagues on the Hill to work in partnership to really remove some of those obstacles. And I feel like I reported on this sort of anecdotally mm -hmm. and heard it from my sources over the course of four years of the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. But this is something that you are sort of dealing with the wreckage of firsthand. I'm wondering how the mission of making the federal government the model employer was disrupted during the Trump administration, in your opinion. Sure. I mean, I started off, uh, you know, in my, my um, unannounced intro <laughs> of just saying that uh, 
you know, I came back to this agency because of, um, you know, I cared deeply about the work. I cared deeply about the people um, in this agency and also what this agency faced during the Trump administration, which was a potential merger, um, which had a significant impact on the kind of attrition that we saw here. And, you know, okay, so this is OPM, but in other cases with my colleagues and other agencies, they um, face, you know, similar attrition rates. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, we're trying to both support our agency partners and um, and help them in the kind of surge hiring that needs to take place. I was just out um, at George Mason University talking about there is no better time to come in to the federal government um, than right now because there is this significant hiring that's taking place to rebuild these institutions. Um, also, how we have shown up in the pandemic, and we will continue to do that. Um, our, you know, that means people uh, that we need in these agencies and um, and so I think, you know, part of, uh, part of our work is, is certainly trying to make our agencies whole, but they are also very engaged and excited about the work ahead. You know, we want to support, uh, hopefully, you know, what will be coming our way, which is um, the work around the infrastructure bill, around the president's Build Back Better agenda. I mean, these are really exciting times and really important times. We want to make sure we're ready to attack climate change. And, and, and these are the kinds of things that we want to be working on. Um, and we need institutions that are strong and, and, and are um, at their optimal uh, strengths to be able to do the work we need to do. Um, and finally, I'll just say, you know, a part of, of wanting to really encourage more individuals to come in, certainly I'm focused on early career talent, is that, uh, you know, we do think this is also about building trust in government that I always saw uh, when I was, you know, coming into this work that I saw government as a force of change. And, and I do think that's true. I think that's the commitment we have to public service. And that's the message that, that I will continue to give both in this forum and in other places. And I know that there are a number of pending confirmations at the moment and, and some agencies that still have not been completely staffed up. Do you feel like the, the government is firing on all four cylinders at the moment or is there is there are there still some more pieces that need to be put in place? Certainly, you know, there's there's one aspect of this, which is, you know, bringing in the political leadership um, in the agencies across the government, which is, is incredibly important. Um, there is also significant hiring within the civil service that is happening across uh, the agencies um, for really key positions and uh, certainly, you know, modernizing our IT infrastructure, cybersecurity, economists, accountants. I mean, you name it, there are positions that you go on our USA Jobs website. Uh, there are a host of positions that um, are, are ones that we need to fill. So I would say that uh, we are still, we're, I always say we're building the plane while flying it. Um, there's a lot coming at us and folks are working really hard, but I'll tell you just even more personally in my agency, it is not uncommon for me to hear um, from my senior leadership and from employees that they, their roles right now are basically the hats of two or three um, individuals or the equivalent. Um, and that's just not sustainable. Um, and so in order for us to do the job well, um, to make sure that we are focused on customer experience and customer delivery, we have to make sure that our agencies um, are, are, are staffed and done well and, and, and smartly in, in a way that is using the government's resources efficiently. 
um, but also taking care of the employees um, because we know that they are our, our best and, and biggest asset. And President Biden issued an executive order in July on diversity, equity, <laughs> inclusion. Yep. I'm sorry, that's my angry one-year-old puppy. Uh, and oh, accessibility no. <laughs> in, in the federal workforce. Um, I wonder yeah. if you might be able to give us a sort of update on progress that the administration has made and um, any update on statistics uh, of just how many employees in the federal workforce um, are, you know, women, LGBTQ, uh, people with disabilities, et cetera. Sure. Um, so, you know, I'm very excited about uh, this executive order uh, that the president uh, issued at the end of June. It's, you know, focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Uh, it is a whole of government initiative. It is very bold, very ambitious. It's very exciting about what we're trying to do in the federal government, again, to be the model employer of what it means to really embrace diversity. Um, in this country and how it is a significant asset in any company and employer and government institution. So OPM has uh, very signif significant equities in this work. We, we will be a leader in implementing um, some major pieces of it across the federal government. Uh, right now, um, what, what, is, what I think makes this so um, incredible and comprehensive is that agencies um, have just submitted assessments uh, that they have done of their agency of where they are, what they're doing well, where there are barriers that they're facing, um, what are some of the ideas that they have on how they might um, further promote diversity on, on so many different in so many different ways that you just mentioned the different communities. Um, and we'll be issuing a government-wide plan very soon that would give a template for the agencies um, on what we want their individual plans to look like. Now related to data, uh, we've been starting to draw down what that looks like as a benchmark. I think it's important. You can't decide like where you want to go until you know where you are. And so um, we do have um, the data, you know, agency by agency. We've shared it with them um, for them to be able to see what, uh, what their current situation looks like. So I don't have that in total totality right now, um, but it is something that we look forward to sharing more broadly as we start to uh, you know, get more information from the agencies, be able to confirm, uh, you know, um, those numbers. And, and of course, we want to be able to be very transparent and accountable about uh, where we fall, you know, related to different races, ethnicities, individuals with disabilities, um, um, the LGBTQ plus community, um, all the different ways that we have such an incredible diverse country um, that we want that reflected in the federal government. Director Ahuja, unfortunately, we are all out of time today, um, but I am so appreciative wow. for you joining us. <laughs> Good luck with um, <laughs> the next few months, and uh, uh, thank you again for talking about your um, priorities and uh, especially the vaccination mandate, and um, hopefully you'll come again soon. Yes, thank you so much. I'm Jackie Alemany. As always, thanks for watching. To check out what interviews we have coming up, please head to WashingtonPostLive.com to register and find more information about our upcoming programming. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.